Heavenly Father, if we're trusting in our own righteousness this morning or we're confident in ourselves, we're going to find a great hatred for this message or we're going to find our hearts repenting. Father, we struggle deeply with self-righteousness. We struggle even more to own up to that with you and with each other. Father, cause us to face you this morning through your Son and then to face each other in that relationship with your Son that our fellowship may be real, truly genuine and built on Jesus Christ and him crucified for our sins. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So on your screen there, you've got the title of this sermon, Nothing More Than a Sinner, Nothing Less Than Justified, The Pharisee and the Tax Collector. You might think I'm original, but that title I pinch from a song, one of my favourite songs. But how do you feel about that statement as a Christian? How do you feel about the fact that you're nothing more than a sinner and nothing less than justified? Are you insulted by it? No, you shouldn't, you really shouldn't be because to be justified means that you've come to terms with the fact that you're a sinner. But if you are insulted by it, then you have never really come to be justified before God. You're still about trying to show forth that you're actually not uh, a sinner. And last week we saw that that persevering prayer of faith that Jesus was looking for when he returned was the prayer of faith that looked to the mercy of God in Jesus Christ and looked to the nature and character of God in Jesus Christ and didn't worry about whether one was worthy or unworthy to have their prayers answered. And you all have gone home and done that this week, haven't you? You've prayed and you've looked to the mercy of God and you haven't worried about whether you're worthy or unworthy. And so this parable actually is a continuation on from last week's parable. We have two prayers here, the prayer of a Pharisee and the prayer of a tax collector. So it's not two completely different parables. Now Jesus teaches this parable in response to the Pharisees and others who believed, you've got to listen carefully to this, who believed that their religious devotion to the things of God. Notice I didn't say to God. They believed that their religious devotion to the things of God actually equaled being righteous, clean and holy and separate from other members of the fallen humanity in Adam. So they were a separate group but their devotion was actually not to God, but to the things of God. The tax collector, on the other hand, as we said, was irredeemable in their eyes and an outcast. So Jesus in verse 9, you can see that on your screen without me turning around, told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, if you look on the screen there, 
when you trust in yourself that you're righteous, you will automatically have feelings of disgust towards other people who are not as righteous as you. That's what he's saying. But that that righteousness uh, and that confidence that Jesus is talking about here in those who trust in themselves is actually measured by their standard of living. So it's not measured by God's standard of living. Now, every one of us here has a standard of living. And if I have a standard of living and I can actually achieve that standard of living, then what I would be saying is I'm righteous by that standard of living. But my standards are way too low. And if you really measured yourself by God's holiness and by his law in your sin, you would put your hand over your mouth and you would bow down on the ground and you would say, woe is me. But if you measure yourself by what you do, you will always come up with the fact that you're actually morally okay. The Pharisee and those who practiced their religion this way got their self-esteem from their religious devotion to the things of God. Luther spoke of good works done outside of God's saving grace and you've got to listen to this very carefully. So Luther said, good works done out of God's saving grace are deadly. What he meant by that is they lead you away from God. They lead you away from Christ. They eternally condemn you to hell. Good works done outside of God's saving grace in Christ are deadly. And then he goes on to say, but we are in love with them because we are the ones who do them. That's the Pharisee. Jesus is about to say his good works actually lead him away from being justified. Now, if I had a microphone and I passed it around, which I'd love to do, and you were really honest with me, how many of you would say, Chris, you're too harsh here? Is it me who's being harsh? Whose parable is it? Is it a serious thing to reject God's grace? Or is it like every other sin? Just a minor thing. It's just a minor thing. I don't need God's grace. So is it too harsh to speak this way? Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed this way. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I have. You notice that I've tried to highlight the word I there? There's a reason for that. Because he stands before God and what he has on his heart is himself. 
He has Himself on His heart. He glories in Himself. And if you really understand Luther's theology of the the being a theologian of glory versus being a theologian of the cross, he says, at the heart of a human being is we love to glory in ourselves. We treasure it. And here is a man glorying in himself before God. I thank you, God, that I am disgusted with this man over here. I'm actually disgusted with him. I thank you, God. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I hate him, but I thank you, God, that I am righteous. Self-righteousness leads you away from grace, away from love, and away from being able to relate properly with anyone. Can you believe that that is in our hearts? Please don't say with me, we're not like that. Look at me and look at yourself. That is our fallen nature to say those things. He has no conviction of sin whatsoever. Do you notice that? He's actually got no sense that he's fallen short of the glory of God. In Luther's 1518 Heidelberg Disputations, his first thesis has the heading, The Problem of Good Works. Why would you start there? Why wouldn't you start with the problem of bad works? Because Luther goes on to say, we all know that evil works don't get you to heaven. We all know that. But we have a real problem with good works. And he goes on to say this, and you need to listen carefully, it's a little difficult. The law of God, the most helpful and valuable doctrine of life, notice, helpful and valuable, cannot advance human beings on the way to righteousness, on the way to being accepted with God, but rather hinders them. Have a look at this man. Have a look at what Jesus is saying. What is hindering him from actually being saved. Tithing, prayers, temple worship, any of those things bad? All prescribed by God? He's devoted to those things, not to God, and that's hindering him. The law, says Luther, as valuable as it is and as good as it is, hinders you and me. Hinders us in understanding the things of God. Because the purpose of the law is actually given to what? Show you your sin. So not only is this man, Jesus actually says the Pharisees are twice over children of, sorry to use this word, hell, because they're actually using the law for the wrong reason because it's actually meant to drive you to see your need for Christ. This is Jesus' language. 
And we might say, thank God we don't have the same struggle that Luther had in his day with with the Catholic Church. And then we might say, thank God our hearts have been so reformed that we don't struggle with what Jesus had problems with in his day. Brothers and sisters, how can someone surely who attends church every Sunday or regularly attends worship, who gives their tithes to God, who prays, who sings songs, how can they not surely be a Christian? Isn't that what we say? They come to church. They give their money. Surely they're a Christian. Is anybody... Am I... Does everybody agree with that? We always, we always assume that. This man went to the temple. He went to church. He devoted himself to tithing. He devoted himself to the prayers. And his religious devotion actually caused him to trust more in himself. Some people come through this door, devote themselves to the things of God and all it actually makes them do is go away and feel better about themselves. In the end, the Pharisee is not justified, he's actually condemned because his devotion led him to self-confidence and self-righteousness. Now Jesus says in Matthew 6:21-23, not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, not a few, many will say, "Lord, Did we not preach in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The tax collector in verse 13, standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What you get here is this. Notice his appeal. His appeal is actually to God himself, not to the things of God. His appeal is to God. He actually cries out to Him. He has a true sense of God's holiness. He does not even lift His eyes and gaze to heaven. This man has a true and healthy and humble view of himself under his sin. He knew himself to actually be under God's wrath. So his cry for mercy is this, God, be propitious to me. Make a sacrifice of atonement for me because I am under your wrath. I need you to make a sacrifice 
for my sins in Jesus Christ. Luther says this, before a man can be justified, he must be humiliated in his sin by God. That's pretty strong language. And then he says, it's God who both humiliates and justifies. And so in Lutheran theology, we have what is called the alien work of God, the work that God does in bringing a man to realise his condition. And that is very painful. If you've ever been under the conviction of sin or you're kicking against the, the goads of God, it's very painful. This man's cry when he beat his breast was actually a genuine cry that he needed God to be merciful to him. In verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The tax collector's prayer is answered and he went home justified. The reason being is this, God did something for him outside of him. God made a sacrifice for sins on his behalf. Just like the tax collector, our justification, our righteousness comes because God does something outside of us on our behalf in and by his Son. And so what happens when you preach like this, and and it does happen, is people start to get a little bit angry if they haven't dealt with their sin properly. They start to actually not like what you're saying. But what you need to hear is this, whatever your hardness of heart may be, whatever self-righteousness may be there in your heart, whatever unbelief or doubt might be there in your heart, think about it, whatever it is that you feel to be a sin from God, God in Jesus Christ has actually met that sin. He's made a perfect sacrifice for atonement even for your so-called unbelief. And therefore, all he has for you or me or even the most self-righteous person is actually his mercy and his forgiveness for you. So, brothers and sisters, some people have said the reason why this man went home justified was because he cried out for mercy. Was it his cry for mercy that got him justification? Was it really that cry? No, it was actually what God actually did for him and what God does for us in Jesus Christ. When God's wrath is on a person, they are miserable. Have you heard the saying, miserable in sin? They then take that miserableness out and that anger out upon God 
But at that point, God is more than likely coming to you in his mercy. At that point, you might interpret that work as being a bad work, but that actually might be the greatest work that he does in your life. Because at that point, you're actually going to ask him to really deal with what's there in your heart. And when you actually ask him to deal with really what's really there in your heart, do you think he will deny that prayer? And so Jesus is saying a truly humble person is not a woe is me person who's self-absorbed. Nor is a truly humble person someone who has self-confidence and is self-assured. Jesus is saying true humility is to know that you are nothing more than a sinner and nothing less than justified. And though I try and I try, I can't be anything else in this age. Brothers and sisters, may we learn to live that way, nothing more than a sinner, but in God's eyes, nothing less than justified. What a beautiful way to live in this age under the mercy of God. God have mercy on you this morning and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.